Hey folks, welcome to the dark side of therapy. This is Eric Nance. I never get tired of saying that title. And I've got a person on today who I've been dying to chat with. We actually did one of those pre-interviews. We just talked about it, which I don't even know what a pre-interview means. But her name is Lane Kennedy, and she's uh, a person out in San Francisco, one of my favorite towns. This person's done a lot. And Lane, I went to your website, which first mm. of all, fabulous website. I, I felt such energy coming at it. And you said you haven't had a Snickers in 26 years. Yeah. And I thought to myself, I couldn't go 26 minutes without a Snickers. How, how do you do that? <laughs> I do it. Uh, it's just, you know, one day at a time I do it, really. It, it's uh, a lot of pausing, a lot mm -hmm. of pausing. Pausing. I, it's, yeah, yeah, it's a lot of pause. And I just don't like the way I feel hmm. after I eat a Snickers bar. So gotcha. I had to stop eating them. Now, in my brain, that makes total sense. It's the application of the principle, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and like we talked mm -hmm. about, we, we both just exercise. And you feel really good after you exercise. So yeah. it kind of makes sense to do the thing that gives you the good energy, right? Right. Yeah. So, Lane, I want to start with you've done a lot in your life. I mean, you are an author. You're a podcaster. You, mm -hmm. you are somebody that helps people at the genetic level, which I find really, really exciting. Mm -hmm. Do you have something you do that kind of is your favorite or do they all kind of exist in that same space for you? Yeah, I think mindfulness and the DNA are my two places I like to hang out. Okay. Uh, I love teaching meditation, like I'm a mindfulness and meditation teacher. So I love my classes. I have a bunch of classes that I do. I love interacting with my students and exploring meditation and mindfulness with them. Uh, so I think those are my two lanes, so to speak. Let's talk about mindfulness because everybody has a different definition. And, and just to kind of pick on you, Lane, what is your definition of mindfulness? Being in the present moment, suspending, okay. suspending my judgment. Yeah. It's hard to do that, though, isn't it? Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? This is where the practice comes into play. I feel like everybody, you know, in pandemic, they're like, oh, I'm going to become a mindfulness teacher. I'm going to start meditating. I'm going to start doing this. But, yeah. you know, it takes practice to become mindful, to be able to suspend your judgment, to be in the present moment for a sustained amount of time. It, it's just like you can't just do that overnight. You just can't flip the switch. So I think there's a misconception around, oh, I'm going to be mindful now or I'm going to live this way. It's like, good luck with that. I mean, th thank God. Thank God people are moving towards this because we all need to be more mindful. But it does take a lot of practice, I find. I think getting mentally and physically healthier takes time. Yes. I, 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 yeah. I, so when you said that, I go off on tangents. So just stop me. But... Where did we get to this point that everything is supposed to come easy? I don't oh remember God. this. I don't. When no. did this whole new thing happen that I should be good the first time I do it, Lane? No. Who, no. who thought of that? Where did it come from? No, I don't know where that came from. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have a 13 year old and he thinks that he should be a pro at, you know, mountain or rock climbing. Yeah. He, he just started, right? Like I have clients that walk into my class and they think, oh, I got this. And they've never done it before. So I don't know where this idea, this concept came from. It's kind of, we have to unlearn that, you know, with the state of technology, 
we got instant access to information. So we knew answers. Right. Right. So I think right. there's something about the technology advancement and growing, you know, with people growing up on online. Right. You know, I know everything, but there's something about embodying, <laughs> right? Having that somatic experience of understanding what stillness yeah. means. Right. Compared to just saying, oh, yeah, I know what that means. I find the value in waiting too. I think I think waiting is really cool. Do you do you remember? I wouldn't say this to any other guests, but you are you a fan of the Wizard of Oz? It doesn't matter if yeah. you are or not. Okay. I, yes, I can say uh, yes. I am. All right. uh, I am. I am too. When I was growing up, it came on once a year. I think mm -hmm, it came on mm -hmm. CBS. Mm -hmm. And I, I got I got to tell you, it was exciting in our house because you'd yeah. start seeing the previews, yeah. and it's like, oh my gosh, Wizard of Oz is on, and I just remember how the excitement would build. And you sort of had to pay a price to get it, right? You, yep. you didn't just get it every single day. Like now I've got it in 17 different media forms. I think those are the days I miss the most when you had to wait for something and then it really meant something. Yes. Nothing means anything anymore. I know. It's so know. sad to me. I completely agree with you. Just going and standing in line for a movie with others Right? right, instead of just going to your TV or your computer and watching it stream, right. that there's something so valuable. It teaches the human how to have patience, how to have tolerance, how to have acceptance around. Oh, I just can't have this right now. Yeah, it's a process. It absolutely is, and to tie it into mindfulness, mm -hmm. it's kind of the same thing that you have to wait for the result. You have to, you have to get better at understanding the moment. And mm. very few people do. Now, I'm trying very hard to be in the moment with you. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm with Lane. I'm thinking, okay, it's our time. But yeah, of course my mind wanders a little bit because I'm thinking mm -hmm. about my two o'clock appointment, whatever. But I'm <laughs> yeah. trying really hard to be in the moment. And I find what keeps me in the moment more than anything is probably laughter. And, you know, we're, we're really both of us smiling. We're having a good time. Mm -hmm. Is there a mindfulness connection there that if you're enjoying it and really sense yourself enjoying it, you're going to stay in the moment longer? I think just that mirror connection, right? The mirror, the neurons that are just, we're mirroring each other. We're we both are. in the present moment. Yes. So our body, you know, physiologically is feeding off of that. Uh, a lot of times when I'm in class with my students and I'll see them either on the screen or in class, I can see them drop in and drop out of that stillness because their body would pick up things. We like right. these humans we were, we read beyond what we actually read on a page, right? We're innate yeah, we beings. We're so intelligent. So, yes. I, li I like how you said we're so intelligent. As if you were saying, boy, I wish I could squeeze more of that out of people. <laughs> a little bit, maybe. I don't know if intelligence is as revered as it used to be. I, I, I honestly think there used to be such an integrity in knowing stuff and having knowledge. And I, I don't know if it's the same way. I still value it. And I certainly value the present. But I'm beginning to realize, Lane, this will be one of our themes today too. What I value is not necessarily what other people value. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you've gone through the same thing. Like, mm -hmm. I think everybody should be good at mindfulness. I think everybody should slow down. Mm -hmm. I love that you refer to yourself as a calm maker. Mm -hmm. What mm -hmm. an awesome phrase. Never heard that before. Um, but we don't all value things the same way. And some yeah. people just do not value slow. 
No, they don't. They don't value it until they absolutely need to be in it. Right. So you don't value something until you have to, right? Until you're broken. Will you take then, a risk? I'm sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. I was going to say, can I you lost. say more about that, about that brokenness? Well, I feel like people are just on autopilot these days, right? We have this hive mind of technology. We're constant go, 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 go. And then we reached, and especially we saw this in the pandemic where people started really freaking out mm. and needing to slow down, needing to connect, needing to do something different because they were starting to break internally. So how do we fix that? Well, we actually have conversations. We see people, we meet them, we touch them, we walk with them, right? We slow down. And it is a challenge to ask people to do that. They're, it's almost like they're afraid to, because what's going what's gonna to be revealed, you know? And that's where therapy comes in. Dun, 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 yeah. Dun. yeah, no, that was... Uh... Oh, we, we needed like that background. Yeah, beat, didn't we? Well, what is going to be revealed? I mean, what's the worst thing that can reveal about us, right? Um, it, it can, many different things. Yeah. I, think I so need too. more time alone. I need to eat healthier. I need to go on more walks with the dog. Uh, I need to see my family more. I need to trap. Like, we don't know what's going to be underneath there because we're so busy being active but when we slow down, we can actually hear like the whisper from the heart or that kind of yumminess that we dream about. Mm. And then we can t make a different choice. I think people get so wrapped up in the day to day that they can't make the choice because they're wrapped up in I, the checklist of I have to do, 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 do. Right. To, to your point about making a calmer life, because, mm. yeah, I think, um, and I, I've only recently begun learning this in my 47 years, I, I think we keep checklists, we totally do, and I, and I need to make sure that I've, I've done enough today. It's never about the quality, Lane, it's about the, did I do enough today to kind of earn my place in the world? Yep. And I see my clients do it, oh, do I get on them, I yell at them, I'm mean, and then I do the same thing. Mm. I do the same thing. And it's a hard pattern to break, but... I had a guest on Rachel Goldsmith a couple months ago, and she, um, I forgot the name of her book, but it's all about spotting the success. I thought, mm -hmm. what a great piece of terminology. Yeah. What if I do one successful thing a day? I thought that is so huge. It can be that simple. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like I, yes. I start my students off with just take a breath. Just mm -hmm. feel your breath. Notice it. Notice the difference between the inhale and the exhale. Just start there. One thing, one change. Mm. Like that one change can change the whole, your whole day. Okay. Right? And it's, again, we overcomplicate it because we're humans and we think a lot. Yeah. But when we just make it simple, it, it, it is just look at your breath. Start there. Change one thing. I, I've heard... And I want, mm -hmm. want you to tell me what you think about this, that yeah. humans sort of have this innate need to make things more complicated. They, it's yeah. like the event needs to be matched by an equally um, complex uh, uh, catalyst. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it can't be simple. When I think you're exactly right, it is simple. But simple doesn't feel good. I, it feels good to me. I love when I figure stuff out. Oh, wow, this is great. But we, we don't like that. There has to be a complexity to the problem and the solution, doesn't there? Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It would be really great if we taught in schools, you know, like as kids were growing up, this idea of taking things slow, being it, it can be simple, giving them permission to take that path. Like that would be just, we would change everything. Do you, do you think we'll get there? I don't know if, if that'll happen in my lifetime. I, I sort of think we have to kind of tear down the entire system first yep. before we yep. start bringing it back up. We're so yep. entrenched in this stuff. Yep. Uh, you're, I, I'm noticing as I'm speaking with you, let, let me be mindful, give you some feedback here. Yeah. You have an intensity about you. And <laughs> I like it because I, I think if you were ever in an, ar- in an argument, and we're not going to be because I have no desire, I bet you have your facts down pretty good where you could say, okay, let me show you why I can sort of defend or, or, or tell you why I can defend my point. I think you'd be really good at that. A- am I right? With some things, yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. My husband might have a different opinion, but... I'm, su- I'm sure he would. <laughs> <laughs> but I like to know what I'm talking about. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's that term? Stay, stay in your lane, right? Stay, stay, talk- yes. I like to stay in my lane and I'm okay with that. If I'm going to go out on the branch and do something, you know, talk about another subject matter, I better know something about it. Yeah, yeah. Or, That's yeah. I'm the I, same way. Yeah. Or I just preface it with, I I, I know about ten percent of this topic, but I hope ten percent I know is quality, and I give you something. Right. But the but the other ninety, yeah, just go Google that stuff. Uh, this this is really fun, and and I know we have other things we want to talk about today, and one is addiction, um, mm-hmm. and. This is where I am going to look at you as the expert because I'm not an expert in addiction. However, many of my clients struggle with addiction. Mm-hmm. And I think you see almost probably 100% comorbidity so often mm-hmm. with addiction, mental health issues. Yep. And yet I'm realizing I never get flyers anymore. You know, you know what kind of flyers I get for mental health these days, Lane? They're all about trauma. Every damn one of them is trauma, trauma, yep. trauma. And I know I bitch about that. Yes, to my peers, they probably hate mm-hmm. me. But I don't see much anymore in the way of addiction. I know. Why are we not, why is it falling out of the um, consumer base? Why does it seem to be going somewhere else? Such a great question. And I don't have an answer, but what I do have is is an opinion. Okay. (laughs) Here we go. Yeah. um, You know, alcoholism, being an alcoholic, that term, the stigma has really uh, damaged recovery. Mm. Uh, And so, you know, substance use disorder has kind of bubbled up to the surface and that's a a more agreeable term. Right. Uh, But that's like, what does that mean? Substance use disorder? I don't, I don't even like, I can go around in circles with that. Uh, Right. To get to your point, it's like, why aren't people talking about recovery with therapists anymore? Why, right. why aren't we using um, this relationship more concretely? Why can't we just say, yes, I'm struggling with drinking every day and I actually have a pill problem and yeah, I'm a, I'm a total addict. Right. Because there's so much shame on it. Hmm. And people feel absolutely powerless and they feel like there's no hope. And perhaps when they go to a therapist, their therapist says, here's the plan. It's ABC. This is it. Hmm. This is what you got. 
Okay. But now we, we live in such a time where there's so many options to find recovery, which is beautiful. Right. That's one thing that the pandemic did bring about is that we can find recovery online now, which we didn't have, or we had just a teeny tiny bit of it, but now it's doors are wide open. That's huge. So amazing. Yeah. So if I'm hearing you right, maybe the shame and the way we've kind of demonized the classification mm -hmm. has, has kind of kept it out of the uh, public sphere, so to speak. 100%, I think. Well, then yeah. why, is tra why is trauma okay? I see, I don't, I don't get that. Why is it okay to talk about trauma? The worst shit you can possibly go through is fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't, again, I don't have an answer. But yeah, from I what know. I hear, uh, you know, trauma is tightly tied with addiction or substance use disorder. Yes, it is. They go circle round and round. You can't really have one without the other. Right. Uh, you, you just, I don't see it. I've never met anybody that is an alcoholic or somebody who suffers, suffers from uh, addiction not have trauma. Absolutely. Not one person. And yeah. I've been in recovery yeah. a long time. So it doesn't make sense. You know, it, it doesn't. And I'm beginning to think, Lane, you tell me your thoughts on this, that because mental health and addiction work is a little bit different than the medical system work, because mm -hmm. you can't really see an addiction the same way you can see, say, cancer. I often teach this to my students. We can all kind of agree that what it is, what it is if, 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 if we're four doctors in the same room, I would hope this is cancer, diabetes. With addictions and mental health work, we seem to have opinions. And, and I'm watching a dangerous trend here, which is we're going to pick and choose what's important. Yep. And I think that's where some of that shame comes from that we talked about earlier. Well, yep. my disorder is not as maybe acceptable as that one, yep. so I can't deal with it. And I hate that. And, and, and if I can help change that, and I know you want to do that, oh, yep. God willing, I can, because mm -hmm. I don't like that. That is so unfair. I think that does, that is a good point. And I like the way that you just mentioned that with, you know, cancer, diabetes, we can see it. Mm -hmm. With addiction, yeah. it's so well hidden. You don't know. You don't know that, uh, you know, I'm going to say a dad or a mom is drinking uh, and beating their kid because they show up to work and they're on time and they're, they're ready to go. Right. But they go home and they drink you know, and they, they're just a wreck. And then, you know, Saturday comes and they're hungover and they can deal with and they can pull themselves back together. And they don't reveal that to their doctor. And when the doctor says, let's do some blood work, let's do some labs because you got something going on here. And the doctor says, so tell me about your drinking, John. And he says, oh, yeah, I have a beer or two here and there. Right. You know, there, there's that, uh, I'm not telling the truth, even though the doctors, like the red flags, the blood, the labs are all messed up. Right. So it's, it's, it is that idea of like, we can't really see it. And when somebody starts talking about it out loud and recovering out loud, other people can then identify and say, oh, that person had a drinking problem. Right. They, they had a pill problem. They, they were snorting cocaine like me. What? Right. 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 Then there's an identification and then it gives people permission to just say, oh, you know what, doc? I think I'm drinking too much. Then we can start seeing it. I just, yeah. <laughs> um, it's like, it's a problem. It is. And I just watched your passion come out unabashed. There, there it was. Yeah. 
Why do you care so much about this? Because I know people are dying. Hmm. I know people are dying. You know, I was on a call the other night. I'm doing this uh, a campaign for men suffer too. And somebody piped up with, well, cardiac arrest, heart, you know, heart failure is the number one killer. And I said, well, what about substance use disorder? And, mm. and they all looked at me like, what? Right. But because of this, we don't identify it. We don't identify car accidents that lead to death. Right. right? We, don't, we don't look at all the comorbidities that we see and talk about here that are related to alcoholism or substance use disorder, which is so painful for me because I know it's killing people. And that just hurts my heart. Yeah. yeah. I, I yeah. think that's why I get so passionate about it. And I think about the other thing, the other thing that I think about is that addiction touches more lives than you think. Mm -hmm. So if, you know, that dad, John is drinking or that mom, Sally is drinking, it's touching her kids. It's touching the lives of the kids, the friends, the teachers, the postman, the grocery clerk, the auto mechanic, the doctors, right? It's touching, it's like a massive spider web right. that touches everything. When you have cancer or diabetes, it's the immediate family. It's, it's, and people then jump on the, you know, the bandwagon are like, I want help. Right. With addiction, it's secret, it's quiet, it's shameful totally different. I couldn't agree more. And, yeah. um, it, for, for me, it brings a lot of emotions up too, because I, I think it's a disorder. Okay. First of all, Lane, how yes. do we characterize, I want to use the correct terminology, somebody who's struggling with alcohol, mm -hmm. what is the best terminology we can use or the most appropriate terminology? It's, it's, I, you know, I identify as an alcoholic. So I think people need to self-identify. I'm an addict. I'm an alcoholic. I struggle from substance use disorder. They have to find the words that they're going to be able to go, oh, I can stomach that. Right. But right. it is a mental illness that sits between my ears, right? right? If you look at the, um, you're a doctor, you're, the, what's it called? I just lost the name. I'm a guy that sits and uh, uh, problem the, solves. Land. The big book, the big book with all the medical DSM, terms. DSM. The DSM. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I just yeah. lost it. In the DSM, it's a mental yeah. illness, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. people are shocked by that and they don't want to even know yeah. I don't have a mental illness. Right. Right. Another stigma laid on top of it. So however somebody can identify, just own it as quickly hmm. as possible. Fair enough. So I made the mistake many years ago. I had a young man I was working with and I said, you're an alcoholic. And he, and he said, no, I'm not. Mm. And I felt that because what you're doing is you're basically piercing the addiction there and it fights back. And, yes. and I, I said, Eric, don't ever say that again. Yeah. God, I love that kid. I don't know how he's doing these days. But mm. um, but because we're we're on the dark side, we should talk about something dark. So I'll, I'll share this with you. My, my mother, who I lost back in 2016, was an alcoholic. Mm. All right. And uh, I don't have your expertise, but I'll tell you one thing. I got to know the patterns yeah. very well with my mom. And there's subtle little things. Like when she'd come over to my house, I could tell that something was just off in her voice. It's just something you would not catch unless you knew this person. Yeah. And then I'd go underneath the sink. It was always where she kept her, her vodka and orange juice. Mm -hmm. I get so fucking pissed. Excuse my language. Mm -hmm. And then... Um, 
I remember my heart would sink mm. because she would keep making the promise, look, I'll just go back to beer. And yeah. she never did. The worst thing that ever happened is I was working at an agency and she was supposed to come pick me up after work and she never did. I had to call the boss and say, can I take a company car home? We live 25 miles away just because she didn't come and get me. And mm -hmm. I walked in and she was on the floor and I yep. thought she was dead. Yep. And that was the moment when I realized your mother really is an alcoholic and yep. everything changes. Yep. And it wasn't funny to me after that. I, I don't find movies funny about addiction. I, I just don't find it funny because when you watch somebody that close, mm -hmm. uh, she ended up dying of an autoimmune disease. Alcohol would have killed her, guaranteed. She just couldn't do it. But again... But how subtle, did she get the autoimmune disease? It, well, according to her doctor, it was completely random. It wasn't related. It was... It was uh, a skin disorder that created all these horrible lesions. I mean, it was the most god-awful thing you'd ever seen. And I think she just kind of gave up. She didn't want to deal with that. And even the alcohol couldn't quell that. Yeah. Um, so from what the doctor told me, it was coincidental. So, yeah. So back up, right? Yes, please. So alcoholics, alcohol, putting that kind of alcohol into the body, yep. the biochemistry starts to break down. Right. So I don't know. Did she stop drinking and then she got the autoimmune disorder? No, she she drank when it finally got diagnosed. She only lived three more months after that. But yeah. so when she eventually got put in the hospital last three weeks, she wasn't drinking. But up until that point, she yeah. was. Yeah. So yeah. from my perspective, right, seeing this, just knowing biochemistry of the body, when you're putting that amount, the body just starts to shut down. You yeah. know, the, the folate cycle can't operate anymore. It starts to change the, the genes, how they're being um, turned on or turned off. And autoimmune conditions come into play. Mm -hmm. So again, this kind of comorbid, like, you know, we don't right. talk about right. um, alcoholism as a leading factor in death. Right. It's a great point, Lane, because nowhere on her death certificate was alcohol even mentioned. And boy, and that's a whole, I could bitch about that too. I'm so sorry for I your want. loss. I mean, I just, that well, is, is no, no. painful. Um, but you're somebody who, who gets it because you're, you're in the genetic realm that I'm not. That's new territory for, for, for me. And so mm -hmm. that's where I do see you as an expert because you've, you've, you've lived it. Um, but it's, it's scary to watch somebody disintegrate from this stuff. It and because you really do lose the person, don't you? Mm -hmm. I mean, you lose the emotional parts. You lose that spiritual connection. You lose that physical closeness. You lose the all of it. Intellectual. You know, anybody who's drinking and using just it, they're not firing on all cylinders anymore. Right. right. And so, if it's somebody that you love, you can witness them change and turn into something that you will not love. And it is of, hard. Absolutely. One of my favorite psychologists, Greg Lester, he, um, I believe he did uh, his addiction studies down at the University of Minnesota. He mm. said that addictions do what is called commandeering the survival system in the brain to where if you don't get the substance, you literally think you're going to die. Yeah. Does that ring true to you? Yep. Okay. Yeah. You think you're going to die, but it, it's irrational. Yeah. It's completely right, right, right. irrational. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> but you're thinking, if I don't get that, I'm yeah. not going to last another five minutes. Yeah. And, and that's where the, the daily drinking comes in or, you know, the nightly wine. Uh, it, it's, 
that desire. I have to, I have to get it. It's going to fix me. It's going to make me sleep or it's going to help me sleep. It's going to take away the shakes, which is all temporarily, you know, good. It gets you stable, but then the cycle happens again. And again and again. And again and again. I want to, I'm going to ask you an emotion question. What emotions does this conversation bring up in you as we talk about this stuff? All over the place. I've been all over the place. So I've had some hope in here. I've had some joy in here. I've had some sadness. Okay. Uh, I get angry. Yeah. 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 Because people don't see it in their houses. They don't see it. I want to I get your thoughts on AA because we briefly hit upon that when we first mm-hmm. talked too. And mm-hmm. you, you had mentioned there's probably reasons that AA is maybe not as, I guess, well used or... What, what is your theory on why AA seems to also be, be losing some significance? I, from my experience, yeah. is, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous is the words in the, in the book Alcoholics Anonymous. And then there are meetings all over the globe put on by humans, people, and all of those meetings and all those people interpret it and create conversations around what's in it. And some play by the rules, some don't play by the rules. And when I say rules, I'm talking about the founders of Bill and Bob who laid out, there's 12 steps, there's 12 traditions, there's 12 concepts, there's 12 principles. And so when you actually play by those parameters, you can recover mm-hmm. effortlessly. Okay. But what's happened, I think, over the years is that there's been a bunch of people, personalities, uh, that have been, they're just people, right? They're, mm. Some people are just mean yeah. or some people are slimy. You know, I've heard a lot of women say uh, there's predators in there. Mm. Well, go, go to a woman's meeting, right? I've heard men say they don't know what they're talking about. They're not smart enough. Yeah, right. Well, we'll right. go to a noon lunch meeting with attorneys. Then let's see what happens. Great point. So then it becomes this resistance of like, ah, that's not going to work for me. But in reality, if you let those four pillars work your life, Alcoholics Anonymous will work for anybody. I I liked it, and I'm paraphrasing, that you said for some people it's, uh, well, that's not my crowd. Uh, Mm -hmm. These these aren't my people. Oh, yeah, they are. They are very much your people. (laughs) I, I don't know, and I'm sure you see this a lot too where you live, we, we also classify disorders and things by socioeconomic status, and it's yep. so stupid. Um, <laughs> no, it, it's just people can hide it better depending mm-hmm. on their skill, the way they were raised. There, there's so many factors, but don't tell me it's one group versus the other because it ain't, and we no. know that. No. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when you think about alcoholics, as a group or drug addicts or substance use disorder, right? There is one commonality. And that commonality is that they drink and they find themselves drunk mm-hmm. and they repeat it over and over and over again. Right. Right. Where the normal person or somebody who doesn't have this addict alcoholism situation says, I'm done with that. I'm not drinking that. It doesn't make me feel good. And then they, they stop. Mm. It's, it's like so simplistic back to the simple. Yep. 
but but the mind overcomplicates it and goes, no, those people, they're a different color than me. Those people make more money than me. Those people don't look like me. Not, not it's not going to work. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. Um, I, you know what's great is there's a whole lot we agree on so far. This is pretty cool. Oh, good. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I thought this might happen. And uh, who knows? Uh, we may not get anything we disagree with today. That's fine, too. <laughs> but like I said, you're well-researched. You, you know the material. And... Mm -hmm. I don't care if I disagree with anybody. If, you're, if your passion's there, I, I love it. I don't care what your agenda is, well, typically, but um, I'm just enjoying the passion, and uh, I think we need more people like that. I, I think there's so many boring people in our field, and I say the collective field of health, just boring people. And I'm thinking, yeah, let's, let's get some life into this stuff. Yeah. And I'm guessing as an educator, you've got to be pretty um, up to and excited. And you just strike me as that kind of person that really connects with students. You make it fun. You, you make it an adventure. It is an adventure. Life is an so. adventure. We're supposed to be so playing. Mm -hmm. This is like, I'm playing with you today. This is awesome. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't feel forty. So I. But half the time, I don't. I don't feel twenty. That's the sad yeah, no. thing. Do you? So you do encourage the word play when yes. you? Okay. Yes. All right. Good. 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 I. You know this. <laughs> that's something else I'll say because now I'm feeling excited. What if we marketed that as an intervention next to the commercial for Adderall and Boost Bar? <sighs> Have you thought about play today? <laughs> You know, can you imagine? Seeing, can you imagine that, right? Yeah. Instead of watching somebody running through the wheat fields, you yeah. see like me with my action figures. Oh, uh -huh, look at that. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Be because people can turn to children very quickly if yes. you give them permission. It's all about that. What's your action figure? Who would you be? If I was an action figure, I would, yes. I would be, well, um, I would be the predator, the original. Oh, man. Okay. Can you imagine that? <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> You'd have like... You know, you have, first of all, you have awesome blades on your hands. That's uh -huh. cool. You have thermal vision all the time. Oh, that's good. It would be good. And you can literally beat Schwarzenegger down, which he did until Schwarzenegger outsmarted him. Uh, I'm going to ask you the same question. What would you be if you were a toy or a figure? Oh, my God. You know what just pops in my head? And this is mm. so wild. Woody from the Toy Story. Great choice. Okay. I don't even know why that came up, but I just, boom, that's what came I, to me. Um, With the cowboy, <laughs> the boots, I think it's all about the boots and the boots would be magical. I could like, they could shoot off my feet. I could do cartwheels. I, I could land on people's heads because I'm super light. <laughs> and, and you are a leader amongst the toys because they're all looking to you. Yes. To that. I, well, Buzz too, but I think he's a little less credible. Um, this might be the first time in my life I've ever asked somebody what action figure or toy you would be. <laughs> so good. thank thank you for that. Um, this this has been a lot of fun today, and um, I, I I knew it would be. I knew the second mm -hmm. that we met. And my last couple questions are going to revolve around this. All right, my my passion right now is the young clinician in this field, mental health. Mm -hmm. Although I I love everybody. Mm -hmm. You've you've done this for a while. What advice do you give to the young clinician, whether it's uh, uh, somebody, licensed social worker, psychologist, LADC, what advice do you give them at this point in your life that uh, you think they could benefit from? Well, I know that all uh, medical students have to show up at Alcoholics Anonymous, like one, really? one meeting. 
And I think it would really benefit every professional uh, to go hang out at a couple of Alcoholics Anonymous meetings and Mm -hmm. to do one sex wise. Like if you're a female, you go to a female one. If you're male, you go to male and then go to mixed as well. Uh, Go to different topics because Alcoholics Anonymous has so many different topics and you can find uh, this in your local neighborhood. You just Google it up, you know, Uh, and then I'd also suggest to go check out smart recovery, smart recovery and look at what that is and Dharma recovery or Dharma punks or uh, I just blanked on that one. She recovers like there's a bunch of different recovery um, options and to go investigate because the quicker that you can get your client into a place that fits with their disease, the quicker they're going to get better. Gotcha. And I think that's the whole purpose of therapy, right? You want to get your clients feeling better. <laughs> Last I checked, um, yeah, I, I wish it was that simple. Okay. And for our audience here, Lane, anything else that we should know about you or anything else you can give us to, to just give us some more about who you are and what your passions are? Well, I'm going to circle back to the mindfulness, mm-hmm. right? Just... Finding mindfulness, and again, in your area, you can go to local classes. There's classes online. I teach online. Uh, It's one thing to do a meditation or a mindfulness practice on an app by yourself, solo. Right. Shut that shit down. Forget it. Sorry for my language, but no, my audience. You have to experience other people, other people experiencing it. Right. And the body has that innate wisdom. So you start to feel this heart coherence between all the different members in the room or on the screen with you. And it's it's quite magical. So that is something that I would invite people listening is to start to practice mindfulness and find a teacher that lights you up because some teachers are totally boring. I'm just going to say it. Yeah, just gonna say it. And some um, teachers are really great. Like I found in the pandemic, uh, a neuroscientist that I just he changed my life. That's great. So you got to find a great teacher. So even in the world of mindfulness, you're still talking about connection to other people. Yeah, I am. I can't help it. We need it. We're, We're built humans are built by design to connect. I know. I know. And it can be a frightening thing. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, have, did you happen to see the documentary Stutz? No, but I will now. Okay. It's, um, you know who Jonah Hill is? Yep. Uh, quite funny. I enjoy him. He did yes. a documentary about his therapist. And yeah, it's raised some issues because, yeah, should you be doing this with your therapist? Well, I, I look past all that and I just watched the damn thing. Mm-hmm. And it, it was really, for me, quite moving. And it's, okay. I think they shot it over two years, but it's just these dialogues he's having with his therapist. And his therapist said something that just stuck with me. He, he, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said, do the thing you need to do no matter how afraid you are, no matter how yeah. scared you are. And, and Lane, that's what I think is a huge problem is we're, 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 we're scared to be with other people. We're scared of what that's going to reveal. And I'm not, I'm not outside the uninitiated here because I have the same issue. So mm-hmm. I purposely put myself in situations where I'm nervous. Yep. Because I don't think that ever goes away. Yeah. I don't care how much anxiety work you do. I still think you get scared. You just have to be scared and, yep. and do it anyway. 
and walk through it. And walk through it. Yeah, uh, this pandemic has totally the coming out of it and and being hesitant. Uh, you know, I'm an intro intro extrovert. Yes, but I I need people, right? And yeah, yeah. and now I've suddenly found myself just staying in, and I'm like, what what am I doing? So I have to exercise a little bit of force to get out to make plans to put fun things. I went dancing last Friday night. Awesome, dancing, right? Out with people I didn't know. But I had to initiate that step. Otherwise, I would have just been fine in my house watching suits. I mean, come on. Easy. Uh, but no, took the action. I think, I think that's – and what a great city to go dancing in. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> um, th this has been nothing short of delightful. And I, I think what I appreciate most is the honesty. You know, we don't, we don't know each other very well, but I feel like we know each other a lot better today. And you came on and were yourself, and, and I really appreciate that because that, again, shows me that you're not afraid to take a risk, and uh, I just so applaud you for that. Thank you, Eric. It's, we, need, we need to take a risk, and thank you for having me on the show and for shining the light on you know, addiction and mindfulness. It's really Absolutely. important to me. Thanks for I, having I, me. You are welcome, Lane. I hope, I hope we can do it again. Again, my guest is Lane Kennedy. We'll put some links on the bottom for you. Check this person out. Website is phenomenal. She's doing some great work. She's one of the true leaders in the field. As always, if you like our content, subscribe, hit like. We, we want to kick this stuff out. If you have any ideas for us to improve it, let us know. This is Eric Nance with The Dark Side of Therapy. Thanks, everybody. Rap! So good. I, I think it was probably my favorite interview. So good. Yeah, I, uh, I feel it. I, I'm, I'm really glad that you had a good time, too, because this went exactly the way I wanted it to. I hope we covered everything we needed to. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah, this, was, this was great, Lane. Um, yeah. Whatever uh, you need. I, this is, yeah. So I hope we can do it again at some point. Um, yeah. I would love to have you come back on because I agree. No one talks about addictions, and it pisses me off because mm. it is a huge deal, and I just... We, we, we have to stop giving trauma the entire uh, third floor. I'm sorry. We need to pop in the other things too. So, yeah. It's so, it's so, uh, I, know. I had somebody the other day, do you have a minute? Just yeah. one more minute. Yeah, go for I had it. Somebody the other day say to me, I can't talk about my trauma. And I said, what are you talking about? I said, you got that trauma from drinking. You better start talking about it. Right. Right. Like there's no right. disconnection. Like it's, it's, it's all the same. Yeah. And we need to like push it out into norm, normalize the conversation. Absolutely. No, so, because it, I appreciate. Because, oh yeah. Because it doesn't go away. No, it doesn't. Um, and, and yeah, that may be our follow-up episode is because, you know, whenever I say stuff about trauma, I know I piss people off because everybody wants to have their own trauma. Yeah. And I'm thinking, um, I think it's a lot more complicated than that, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. I'll save that again for a different day. So <laughs> okay. um, we should have everything ready to go by next Tuesday. I'll, I'll send you the link of the episode. Okay. And okay. then I need to get back on your schedule to schedule our episode. You scheduled it. Did you not schedule? No, I did. But then you had a thing with your son that came up and we couldn't do it that day. Okay. Okay. Got it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so we'll have to reschedule, but that won't be a problem. But you have um, the link and everything. So I have it's... the link and everything. Okay, yep, great. Yep. We're all, we're all okay. good to go. No, Lane, thank you so much. I can't wait to have you on the show. Me too. 
I hope you hammer me as hard as I hammered you today. Yes, I'm. we're going for it. All right. Have a great San okay, Francisco you too. day. Take okay. Care. Thanks, Lane. Bye. Bye now.